You are listening to the Zookeeper Stories Podcast with your host, Matthew Price. The goals of this show are to share the stories of animal care professionals around the world, give advice on how to get to the field, and share information that will help out new zookeepers. One of the most common questions people in our field are asked is, how did you get your job? I hope to shed some light on that question and many more by investigating the origin stories of the people on the front lines of the animal care world, the zookeepers. And we are back with another episode of the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Price. And today we have another amazing guest. We have Christy Williams. She has been a keeper for 12 years at Zoos Victoria in Australia. And uh, I have her on the, on the show today because she actually was, uh, did a, a keeper exchange at the San Diego Zoo. And I got to work with her then. Uh, she actually exchanged with another uh, friend of ours, Lindsay King, who hopefully is going to be on the show someday. She says she is anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we have Christy Williams from Zoos Victoria today. And uh, I'm just going to start it off by uh, every time we do this show, I like to ask my guests, you know, first off, uh, just the basic question of how did you come to fall in love with animals? And then like, what point did you know that you wanted to do it professionally as a career? Oh, well, firstly, thank you for having me. And you can all hear with my fancy little accent, obviously, that I'm Australian. And so I I guess I've just always loved animals, always loved them um, from a little kid. In fact, I ended up, I went missing when I was little, quite little, and um, mum couldn't find me anywhere. I'm the firstborn. Of course, she's freaking out. And they ended up finding me down at a, like a geese pond at the back where I used to live like a, a couple of blocks away and I don't know, I was just, I don't remember it obviously, I was too little, but I was just hanging out with the geese there and, and mum by the time she found me, you know, what are you doing? And apparently I was like, I just wanted to play with the geese sort of thing. And so, I don't know, a step away from drowning myself, but anyway. Oh my so because geese are mean. Well, no, they were nice to me. They're probably oh. the same height as me. I was just like, oh, okay, I'm so they were not, you were not threatening. No, non-threatening, just come and chill out with the geese, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I've just always had, I don't know, a massive love and obviously that just eventuated into a career, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah which, you know, I'm very blessed because it's, it's quite hard with zookeeping, but, yeah, this is where I ended up, which is great. So, so you, as a kid, backing up a little bit, as a kid you loved animals, yep. loved geese apparently. Yep. Uh, geese have been a, a problem for me. As a matter of fact, the worst injury I've ever incurred is from a goose uh, when mm-hmm. I was a, an intern zookeeper. Um, but uh, so but I get that you've always kind of had that loving, but at, at, did, did you start, uh, when did you start going towards looking at how to do it professionally? Did you start that in like high school or once you got to college you knew, hey, I want to work with animals? Kind of how did you get from the love of it to, uh, you know, the career, I guess? Yeah, so, yeah, it was always in the back of my mind and, and I, I did probably from high school onwards volunteer at animal shelters um, and was always around animals. I was in Pony Club with horses and you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and always had animals as a kid. Um, and mum in particular is very animal focused and really compassionate with animals, so I think I got that side of her from as well, yeah. And so... I, yeah, like I said, just volunteer at animal shelters, um, vet nursing, and when I finished school, I went into, we call it TAFE here, um, 
and I started doing a natural resource management diploma, so more environmental as well. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, and that was a two-year course, but I really missed the animal focus of it. So then I ended up finishing that but doing more um, volunteering at small wildlife parks. And then after that, I ended up landing a job pretty much in the same week, which was crazy, but a a wildlife park job and a vet nurse job in the same week. And I had to make a choice, which was like, (laughs) oh, I love both. But I ended up going with the wildlife park job, and I'm glad I did. I I was there for a year and a half. It was a little family-run business in the the hills here in in Victoria and Australia. It's just beautiful up there, really lovely. So... Really nice setting, lovely family and worked up there. Just a small park. Um, you know, they had like a little animal farm as well, a little, you know, more geese, but <laughs> pigs and sheep and all that sort of stuff. But I loved it. It was amazing. But unfortunately that place, uh, they just couldn't afford to keep running. The little parks in Australia, yeah. just they struggled. So that closed and then back to the drawing board. And then I ended up meeting some contacts as you do in this industry and rang our um, open range zoo here called Burroughby Open Range Zoo within Victoria. Um, and I got a five-month contract there, which was amazing. And, uh, well, it was only actually meant to be a month initially, but it extended out to five months. And then after that, I ended up at uh, Melbourne Zoo, and I've been there ever since, really. So <laughs> we just jumped from contract to contract, and then eventually I got full-time work. And then, yeah, I've been there ever since. And then doing my um, captive animal management certificate to become more of a, you know, qualified keeper here. Um, and that's, that's what we do here. And then, yeah. And then yep. pretty much so that, that was my uh, next question was I know the process is a little bit different there yeah. uh, than it is here, that you actually have to have a, a specialized certificate that's separate from your collegiate, your college degree, correct? So yep. you have to have this other separate thing uh, to do that, right? And then, yeah. and then, uh, and then, and then, also speak a little bit on like the contract, what that's about. Like, so you didn't have a, necessarily have a full time job; you just had like a like temporary position, and that after it ended, you had to apply for another one. Yeah, it's uh, we we call it cutthroat industry here. Basically, <laughs> it's so competitive to get into the industry, which I guess it is everywhere. But within Australia, we're really limited with the zoos that we have. So say in Victoria where I am, there's only three A-class zoos here. So A-class being sort of, you know, the top-notch zoos. Yep. Sure. So we've got the Melbourne Zoo, which is sort of our, you know, inner city zoo. Then we have our big open range zoo, Werribee. And then we have our Australian-focused animals out at Hillsville Sanctuary. Um, and so when you get a job at any of those um, three zoos, you basically are on contracts and they're called fixed-term contracts. And that's how you get your foot in the door, so to speak. They can be from a couple of weeks extended out to two years, um, but they're contracts. So, you know, you, you'll still get notice and all that sort of stuff if you're finishing up, but you go on like that for ages. And I did that for two years before I went for a full-time job. So I could still come in and go for a full-time job, but generally you end up staying on those contracts, you know, for quite a while until you're even looked at to get a full-time job, yeah. So... I guess that's the difference. Um, so that's just, tough. that's that's got to be pretty stressful then. Like when that <laughs> when is, that end of that contrast comes up, like oh, is the next one coming, or do I got to figure out some other way to make money? That's exactly it. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of fixed term contract keepers do have other jobs, which I did as well. I had three at one stage just to, oh to keep it float. Yeah, it is. It's very. You have to have a 
a lot of dedication to want to, you know, pursue this career because you know that those contracts could, you know, blow out to two years potentially and that's just the way it is. Yeah. But, yeah, you just have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's It's been a common theme so far with every episode is uh, pretty much everybody has had some crazy, like, path to get where they had to work overnight or uh, yep. work on contract or whatever it is. So, um, okay, well, so uh, another reason why I wanted to have you on was because you've had the luxury of or the pleasure or however you want to describe it of working at zoos in both America and Australia. So I, was, I wonder if, I mean, it's been a little while. It was like 2011, so it's been, what, half a decade or so, which just seems crazy because uh, you were at our wedding the same, came back to come to our wedding. And, uh, just crazy. I can't believe it's been so long. Anyway, uh, so I was wondering if you, uh, you know, if you have any recollection of, like, when you came to, to San Diego Zoo and started working here, did you, like, right away notice, like, okay, well, these guys do it this way, and that's quite a bit different than how we do it back home. But, uh, you know, maybe it's the same outcome. Maybe it's not. Um, if you had any, like, uh, I guess, insights on the differences between American and working for an American zoo and working at an Australian zoo. Yeah, um, of course. I mean, so many and little differences as well, because I think generally the job itself is quite universal, you know, depending, you know, what you're doing. But coming from an Australian zoo, you know, we're such a big country and we're so far away from everything. Um, we're really limited in the species that we can hold, um, partially due to our quarantine laws and, and all those sorts of things um, and, and our sort of zoo and aquarium association is uh, it's smaller. So we can't, I guess, we can still, you know, interact with other um, regions, but it just it's a massive effort for us to do all that sort of stuff. So I noticed the difference of species, of course, straight away. Um, and I begged my manager, who was really lovely at the time, Rod, he was, you know, can I work with this? Can I work with this? Because <laughs> I, I won't get those opportunities to work with things like a carpi and bonobos and, you know, all those sorts of things that we just really won't see in Australia. Right. So I was sure. really, really lucky that he was so flexible. So I oh, was amazing. I go stand next to him on a carpi and, you know, pat their little velvet hair and just, you know, <laughs> just hang out. And really in a keeping sense, it's probably no different compared to, I don't know, the giraffe that I've worked or anything like that, but amazing, you know. they're just And even just to stand there and look at them and it's like, wow, these animals you see in pictures, here they are in front of me in a captive sense. Absolutely amazing. I love that. Um, so that that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess funny little things for me, I mean, when I first got there, obviously I was jet lagged for two weeks straight. I couldn't stop yawning every day and it was hilarious. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you leave and then it's like the same time as when you left. You get here and it's like the same time as when you're, you're like, wait, where did my day go? I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, and even getting there was such a saga. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, I got held up in LAX for ages and I finally I got there. And I was like, oh. I picked you up at the airport and we're like, where the hell is this Australian, you know? Like, I know. <laughs> making a good first impression right away. <laughs> I was trying to call Connie so bad. I was like, I'm coming, I promise. <laughs> um, but the radio signs, I think you mentioned this to me anyway, but just hilarious for me because, I mean, let's be honest, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know what affirmative means. We don't use it in Australia, so I'm saying <laughs> Apparently, I said something back to my boss like affirmative when I shouldn't have, which meant yes, you will come over here now. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't mean that. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're back to front. So the way you guys sign or call 
we do it the opposite in Australia. So that was, I had to mentally get myself prepared before most calls because I didn't want to say the wrong thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, you didn't want to be made fun of by us later. Which, you know, I did anyway because of my (laughs) accent most of the time. I swear people call me on the radio just to hear me say something with my accent half Oh, that time. definitely but, happened for sure. That absolutely <laughs> happened. <laughs> so funny. But, yeah, that was hilarious to me. Those call signs cracked me up. Um, I guess the times are a bit different. We work 7.30 till 5 every day um, and we work on a rotating roster. And so the way you, you guys work, well, obviously you know the way you guys work, but... Yeah, it's just a bit different. So I think I had Tuesday, Wednesdays off, something like that. So that was, I mean, it it didn't really matter to be honest, you know. There's still days off and that's great. It's nice to have two in a row. (laughs) I've just come back from Borneo and, I mean, they get one day off a week, the keepers over there. So, yeah, and it's intense and hot and horrible. So, (laughs) but, yeah, So, so. So by rotating schedule, do you mean like your days off, like change, that sometimes you, like everybody got a chance at weekend days and that kind of thing? Yep. So basically the way it works for us, we, well, I have a, like a rotating roster, we call it. So out of the month, I'll get two weekend, two weekends off. Got it. Um, and my normal sort of days are a Monday, Tuesday off, if that makes sense. So okay. so everybody gets a shot at having weekend days yep. off. Or something. Everyone has the same sort of, yeah, days off, which is nice. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's probably would be nice for the, the keepers here down, who low, are down low on the seniority list for sure. It's, yeah. Uh, can be no, rough really, never having any weekend days off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I did really notice that, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you know, we all work really hard. Um, that's just the way it goes. It's a physically demanding job. So everything's the same. But maybe the things, um, different names of things, I didn't know what people were talking about sometimes, like alfalfa. I'm like, what is alfalfa? <laughs> We call it Lucent in Australia. So I'm like, oh, Lucent. <laughs> There's another one too, uh, um, uh, Burlap. You guys call it like he- Hessian or? Oh, Hessian. Right? Hessian. Hessian. Yeah, that's right. I was like, yeah. which one? Yeah, like, yeah bur- I mean, the Burlap bags, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Just funny little things like that. But, yeah, it made me laugh. I think, you know, for me it was – it was amusing using my Australian slang sometimes with some of the keepers. Had no oh, idea. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, everything has a Y at the end of it. I've noticed, like Sunny, uh, Brecky. Um, yeah. You, you, I don't know. You've told me a bunch of them, but apparently oh, forgot them. But, we, uh, love I'm sure. we love yeah. to show everything. Uh, all right. Well, um, so what are you working with now? What do you do? What's your current role at as uh, at Zoos Victoria? Um, are you- so I've worked everything basically there, minus I think the reptile department and inverts and the seal department. I haven't worked those, but everything else I've worked. My preferred taxes I've spent the most time on is primates, um, especially orangutans. And that's been a lot of my conservation stuff and I've gone overseas. At the moment, I'm working in a, it's kind of a bit weird, but like a 2IC role, I guess, on the Australian even, native mammal and bird section. So that's crazy busy. Yeah, so that's, you know, everything over there. So koalas, wombats, all that sort of stuff and birdies. So keeps me busy. It's very busy. So you got kind of a a variety of the primates and birds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being... You know, the inner city zoo, we have all that exotic taxa as well, yeah. Right. And we 
this uh, we have like an Australian bush we call it um, section, but you know we have the carnivores and the primates and all that sort of stuff. But like I said, it's probably really limited when you compare it to you know zoos overseas in terms of what species we hold. Yeah, but you guys have platypus. Oh yeah, we do. So have you worked? With, have you worked with them? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, they're beautiful. We have a um. His name's Sam, and he's, I think he's about 10, so he's a bit of an older boy. And he's just so set in his little ways. He's just adorable. He'll give you little grunts in the morning when you're like, come on, time to go on display, because he'll be at the back of sleep. And he'll be like, they make this little <laughs> noise. <laughs> And, yeah, so you're like, come on, mate, and he shuffles outside and, you know, gives you a little look as he goes out. He's a little grumpy guy, but he's so cute. But they are, they're amazing animals. They're just so beautiful. Um, and obviously having that venomous gland is always interesting when you need to pick them up for vet checks and things and weigh them even. You've just got to be so careful. Um, but, yeah, they're just amazing animals. Yeah, I was curious about that. Does he, will he, uh, you know, does he, like, try to spike you with those? Yep. Those venom glands or, or just, just accidentally you could graze against it or something? Um, so the way they're situated, they're on the back legs, but they're kind of curved in, so you'd have to kind of have your arm underneath him for him to curl his back legs under, under and like grip, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they use them when they're fighting other males, and when I think when they're born, even females have them, but they eventually lose those and they're not venomous, whereas the males are and they hold on to them when they're fighting. Um, so yeah, definitely he'll try spare us. <laughs> There's no, you know, he doesn't care who we are. Um, and how deadly is that? With that, I mean, is that like, would, like it'll kill you or? Uh, just, it'll make you very sick. Yeah, we've had one keeper many years ago spurred, um, and he said the pain is just excruciating and, you know, rushed straight off to hospital to get um, anti-venom. Um, but, yeah, it, it wouldn't be nice. It wouldn't be pleasant. It would be in a <laughs> lot of pain. So death, I, I'm not – I don't think it will kill you. I should know that probably. But yeah. it will cause you a lot of pain. You'll be, uh, yes, quite sore. Um, but yeah, he's beautiful. But yes, he will definitely try speed you if he got the chance. <laughs> so we we hold the base of the tail up high, so we know that's a safe area. Yeah, that's just crazy. That just, I don't know. I just can't. It's hard to wrap my mind around like picking up like a, a furry animal and that you might get stung by it. You know, <laughs> it's just know. such a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, even even the koalas, Matt. When we're you know handling them, like all these Australian animals, we're so blessed. Really, they're so unique and. Yeah. You know, but they they can be so ferocious. <laughs> like the koalas, like if you hold them the wrong way or they're in a moon, they swipe at you. Like those claws are huge. <laughs> you know, we have to, even our little quokkas, our little wallabies we have if they're in a mood. Like one, we have one little male quokka and he's just adorable, but he really hates just one female keeper. He loves all the rest of us. He's fine, but as soon as she goes in, he just launches at her leg. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> It's the cutest little thing, but we just don't know why. But, yeah, they are. They're beautiful and lovely, but they have their wild side. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the Arctic foxes. Did you work, did you work yeah. with them when you were there? Uh, I think, yeah. we, had the old, I think you, we had the older pair when you were there, uh, yeah. uh, yep. Kinnick and Isaac, I think. But we have this uh, newer pair. We've had them for a couple of years now. And uh, every every season, like it seems like spring, summer, right, like right now, our female Sitka, she – just starts going after everyone. Like a me, I think is the worst. Like you go in the, it's the most pathetic thing. You walk in the exhibit and she's just Aww. yelling and screaming and goes after your feet. And, oh. uh, 
I actually had my first bite uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I had the behavior, I had our behavior manager down, uh, kind of watching me in there to kind of like assess and see what kind of solutions we could come up with. And I took my sure. eyes off of her for one second and kind of rested my arm on the on the rock work to to lean over and listen to the behavior manager. And in that one second, the fox ran up on the rock, snapped me on the finger. uh, I luckily was wearing latex gloves. I didn't even think it broke the skin, but I took them off, a pen drop of blood. Of course, there's a manager there, and now I've got to go. And we're on this, she's on this rabies watch now. And like, it's just such a, like, it's just such a, such a thing right now. Like, she won't, like, she doesn't want us to clean the exhibit, basically. And Oh, dear me. It's like, like, you know, it's a little eight pound fox. You just want to scruff it and be like, listen. I'm going to clean your exhibit. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me look after you. Stop it. <laughs> yes, I'm, take, I'm trying to feed you and clean for you. Uh, oh, she's, like, she's the bane of my existence right now. Oh, uh, it's gorgeous. It's so but, beautiful. Uh, yeah, so do you have, like, do you have like, a favorite right now? I know you really, you're really into primates. Like, do, are you, is it like a specific? You said orangs. Is there an individual orang that you kind of have a yeah. close bond yeah. with? Yeah. <laughs> so... I guess I, um, when I first, first started at Melbourne, I was sort of thrown into working with the orangs in a way. And we were in the midst of moving them to a new facility and doing all this training and it was a really exciting time. And so there was a little two-year-old male called Malu, or Menyaru is his public name, as we have. And he, he's just so cheeky and adorable, but he would probably be my favourite. At the moment, he's... A couple of months ago, he escaped out of his enclosure, so that was fun for everyone. Wow. Yeah. And he, he's such a good boy, though. He just came down and put his arm up for a hand injection. <laughs> so they put him put him back in his little den. <laughs> he just ran up while he was out of the enclosure. It's like, here, inject me. Yeah, well, not quite like that. That would be lovely. Okay. That was I was like, wow, that's some good training. He went into his uh, – it's like a, a big hall area. For interpretation so he went in there and we shut down well I wasn't there shut down the roller doors and then he put his arm up through like a gap and they could inject okay. through there oh yeah and Poor I mean he, he's got this bad boy reputation he's quite you know he can be cheeky yeah but I mean he's a male orang and so anyway he's now something like what is he now 12 or something like that so I've you know worked with him for a long time so he would be one of my favorites and he's just you know, he's just cheeky. He's just silly. You know, he does little handstands and mucks around, and they're just so beautiful and interactive. He cracks me up. So he's just, yeah, he would definitely be one of my favorites in the zoo. He's lovely. That's awesome. Um, okay, well, let's. Uh, maybe he's involved. Maybe he's not. But do you have any kind of funny, embarrassing stories that have happened with animals uh, where where guests are present or coworkers are present or something? And oh, you totally. Yeah. Have uh, <laughs> have one particularly like to share? Oh, I've got many. I don't know how funny they are. But I bet they're all funny. Yeah, just silly stuff, really. You know, I've had, oh, that many times you fall over in front of public when, you know, you're meant to be cleaning or, you know, being professional. And I've done silly falls in a bear enclosure, actually. <laughs> just, I nearly went into the massive moat. I just, it was such a cold winter morning and it was all mossy. This moss was grown on the wood little, you know, platform. And, of course, I slid across it on my hands and knees and just managed to stop myself. And I don't know if we were quite open yet. Like, I don't think it's a hit 9 o'clock when the zoo opens. But I do remember looking up, looking around, because there's always someone watching you. And I had a gardener just up there laughing at me. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and you just picked yourself up and acted super cool and just walked right off, huh? 
your heart pumping because you know that makes disgusting. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a long fall. It's a long fall, and I'm quite short, as you know. It's, it's <laughs> a longer fall for me. <laughs> I do remember at San Diego though, in the when I was working in with the Guanacos. Oh, they're just so crazy and silly. And I think there was something like was 12 or 15 at the time. So there's a lot of them, and you know, again, everyone's taller than me. So I'm in there with them and just trying to shift them into one area so I can clean the other area. And I don't, I don't know what happened, but somehow I just got tangled up in the mass of guanaco. And they're, you know, they're lanky and crazy, and all the legs are going everywhere. And I'm like, ah, guanacos! <laughs> and then you know, public are watching. Like, oh no, this is so bad. <laughs> Sorry. You just have guanaco torso like all over your face, every direction. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, because they're trying to get out the way, and they're just sort of bumping into you and you're sort of getting knocked around like a little pinball like <laughs> in a guanaco mass. <laughs> anyway, I got out of there eventually. Silly uh, it's so yeah. silly. But just silly stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, haven't done anything too bad yet. Yeah, it's always fun when the giraffe tries to knock you over when you're trying to do a keeper talk and things like that. Just silly things. <laughs> yeah, I've had that one. Uh, feeding brows, uh, like doing giraffe mm-hmm. feeds. Uh, come, it just comes in like from right behind you and just like canks you on the side of the head. Yeah, I've, definitely, I've definitely had that. Um, okay, well, uh, we'll go ahead and think about wrapping up here. Thanks so much for uh, for chatting with us today, Chrissy. But before I just let my, let my guests go, um, I like to kind of just give them uh, the floor and um, you know, let you talk about whatever it is you might want to talk about the zoo, in the zoo field, whether it's, you know, advice for keepers, um, another story, whatever it is that you might want to share about uh, Australian zookeeping with uh, the Zookeeper Stories podcast audience. Sure. I guess I will say that with the exchange, um, if anyone's thinking about doing an exchange, it's well worth it. Just just even to gain more experience in a different culture and even though we're still, you know, Western countries and everything, it's a massive culture difference. And, yeah, I really loved that and I loved, you know, meeting all you guys and made some really great friends out of it and sharing skills. It's, I think it's really important and it was a really great way just to, it doesn't matter that you're a senior keeper. You can, you know, we're always learning with this job. Every day you learn something new. And so I, I loved coming to a new zoo and just, learning all these different skill sets and it was just amazing so that would be my my end note just definitely if you think about doing an exchange um i know you know it's a bit bit of paperwork and a bit of hassle getting it organized but it's well worth it so do it yeah absolutely and even extend that to just go travel and see other places oh, yeah. even if you don't have the exchange so uh, i'm sure we could do another whole episode on uh, on traveling but uh anyway <laughs> i i really appreciate it christy uh it was great talking to you and we miss you here in the states and at some point i definitely I, we will definitely uh get out there to to visit you so yeah anyway uh goodbye from america yeah <laughs> so uh anyway goodbye everybody we'll uh chat again sometime uh, in the near future Thank you for listening to the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I hope you learned something about zookeeping and had a few laughs along the way. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. It really helps me to grow the show and continue to improve. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can send an email to zookeeperstories at gmail.com or tweet me at zookeeperstory. 